Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focus on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including those in the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Vicki Basilea, and I am the director of the section of clinical specialists and scientists here at ASHP. With me is Elise McDonald, who is the assistant director of pharmacy service at Stanford Health. Thanks so much for joining us today, Elise. Thanks, Vicki. It's great to be here. All right, let's get started. The current pandemic has changed how we do everything in our personal and professional lives. What are some of the immediate changes to on-site work in your department? And what items are necessary when considering remote work for your group? Yeah, so when the pandemic started, I was working at University of Utah Health. And so about last January, as a department, we were already considering some remote work options uh, as a leadership team because of some construction that was going to be going on and was scheduled to start around campus, which would make it difficult for people to go to campus and arrive to campus on time for work and park and and all the kind of parking and commuting issues that you might have with a large academic medical center. So at that time, we were thinking of some strategies on what each group could do as far as to implement some remote work at that point in time. Now, this was before the pandemic was even a thing. I mean, I guess it was a thing in other parts of the world, but it wasn't really anything that was changing our lives currently within the United States and in Utah at that time. And so we had some preliminary discussions on what we wanted remote work to look like as a department. And I'm so thankful that we did have those early discussions because come mid-March, we had to really scale that forward a lot. And so it was like one day we came in and we're like, okay, we need to have people working from home as much as possible so it doesn't affect patient care. And so because I think we had some of those preliminary discussions, it made the fast tracking a lot easier and not as overwhelming for the leadership team. And I had already also been talking to my team about what we wanted remote work to look like. And so on my team, we were already discussing ways and how we could do remote work within our research pharmacy. So thankfully, we had those discussions. And then in that week time frame where we really had to scale up on what we were going to do, I was grateful because the team was already kind of well prepared and with those discussions. And I just, I had the discussion with them. Okay, this is what we decided before, but we we need even more people working from home. Um, and that was to preserve PPE and make sure we had social distancing and all of that kind of stuff very early on in the pandemic. And so, so having those group discussions with the team so that they could buy into what was decided and that it wasn't just a unilateral decision. We really worked as a group to 
decide how many pharmacists at a minimum we needed on site, what the pharmacists on site would do, how many versus the pharmacists who were working remotely, um, what equipment they needed. Um, and then from the technician side of things, how could we change technician roles so that they could also work from home and what resources and uh, from a technology standpoint they needed as well. So those were our two main things that we, we focused on was task divvy, divvying tasks and what kind of resources do you need to be successful to work from home so that we can still continue to take care of our patients because other conditions didn't automatically stop because we had the pandemic. And so, um, especially with research in the oncology world, for example, you know, we were still moving ahead with patients, we still had already had patients enrolled in studies, we needed to continue their um, chemotherapy, for example. So we really just worked as a team, decided what resources we needed, what kind of paperwork from like an HR standpoint, we needed people to, to complete. And then also, most importantly, I wanted to make sure that the group, everyone in the group was comfortable working from home. And that they had a, a setup that they could work from home. And so, you know, I, I talked to everyone individually and asked them their comfort level working from home. And pretty much everyone was comfortable working from home. You know, as the pandemic went on, some people decided that they wanted to work on site more versus at home. Just, you know, obviously, too. If they were one of our primary technicians who was in the IV room, well, you can't really do that from home too. So <laughs> that would be a little challenging. <laughs> um, and so, um, so kind of just changing things around like that and getting everyone's buy-in and um, so that we could come together as a team to take care of the, our patients that we had. So I think one of the things that we've kind of learned now that it's been over a year, unbelievably, with COVID-19, is that sometimes working remotely can make staff feel isolated and really not part of the team. What are some of the techniques that can be used to connect staff in a remote fashion? And then how do people know how to contact each other? Yeah, that's a great point. I think initially everyone was just trying to get used to, you know, not seeing each other every day and how we were going to communicate with each other especially for people who were taking care of patients on any given day. And so we set up a way to message each other within one of the messaging systems that we had. We, we had Microsoft Teams, and so we set up a, a research pharmacy team, and um, the group could message each other. And through that versus always sending an email, which they already receive a lot of emails every day. And so we needed to keep the number of emails they were receiving to a minimum. And then also we wanted to keep the number of telephone calls, but just between team members to a minimum as well, because those lend to that lends to distraction. And so we set up a messaging group and chat that was used within teams to communicate regarding patient care. And then something else that I did early on was established a daily huddle, which was basically just a check-in for our team. We shared ideas, how things were going, what computer problems were we having, 
How were we doing with how we were splitting up the tasks? Because what we said on day one, what we thought would work, maybe didn't work as well. And so, you know, we had to modify the tasks and how we split up the tasks between everyone. And so having that daily huddle was a great way to check in and for everyone to kind of connect as a team. We had that 30 minutes set aside so that everyone could connect as a team and share their ideas and clarify any job tasks and uh, things that needed to be clarified. Pretty much everyone on the team had everyone's contact information. So we just made sure that there wasn't anyone that didn't have contact information. And then one of the things that the team had done was before the pandemic was to celebrate birthdays and big events, you know, maybe weddings or the birth of a child or, you know, what have you. And um, so we still continued to do that even in a remote fashion. And so obviously we weren't bringing in the, you know, I remember one time before the pandemic, there were a bunch of birthdays kind of around each other and and we had like a cereal party. (laughs) So obviously we weren't allowed to do that anymore, but, you know, still recognizing people's birthdays and still recognizing those events to make, you know, because everyone still really cared for each other. And So I think that also had helped people not feel so isolated and alone. And then we kind of, when setting the schedule, we kind of had made sure that people were on site at least once a week, if not one to two times a week. And so I think having that interaction and that shifting of the schedule helped people as well not feel so isolated because it wasn't every day of the week that they weren't coming to work. So, Yeah. So uh, here at ASHP, we have been remote for over a year and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, working from home must be great. And I'm like, I miss people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So as a leader, you need to connect with individuals on your team. What strategies worked effectively for you to lead a team remotely versus when you were working on site? So, for example, I always kept candy in my office so that people had to come in and get candy. (laughs) Clearly, you cannot do that online. So can you just share with me what some of your ideas for team building have been and just how you checked in with your employees? Yeah, sure. You know, as a leader, I, in our department where we were located, we are located up at the cancer hospital. And so the managers who were up there, we made it a point to always have a presence. So one of us would be on site to help each other's teams. And so, so when I was on site, you know, obviously I would really take that time to connect with, with my team and maybe have some in-person one-on-ones that were, you know, making sure we were socially distanced and had our proper PPE on. Basically that just showed them that just because I wasn't in the day-to-day of patient care didn't mean that I was just working from home and saying that they had to be on site. You know, I wanted to show them that, that um, I cared about them um, to be on site. And, and so, you know, also just having the discussions during our huddles, letting them know they're, they're not alone and making sure I'm, following up on what people told me. So for example, we had someone who was in the process of building a house. So I would just check in with him and 
you know, and see and ask, how's the house building coming? You know, that kind of stuff, just so that they know that you care about them as a person at work, but also realizing that they have a life outside of work as well. And so I think by doing that, that that helps keep them engaged and helps them know that you care, you know, and then when we would have our one-on-one check-ins, I would try to do them if I was on site and the people were on site, but it didn't always work out that way. So using video conferencing as much as possible, just so you actually can see each other's face when you're talking, I think is really helpful. So that, that was something else that I did. And then, you know, when I was on site, because we had reduced people on site, I would just help with tasks that I knew would be helpful and that I could do without having to be on all the regulatory documentation that you need to be on um, when you work in a research pharmacy. So just help like getting the door, answering the phone, helping open the boxes when we got like 20 shipments in a day midweek, just things like that, that could really, really help the team and show that you care about them, you know, not only when they're at home, but also realizing and recognizing that, yes, the people on site will have extra stresses because we don't have as many people on site as we normally did. So, and then some team building strategies. Again, it's like meeting with the huddles, celebrating those big events and birthdays, just trying to connect with the team as much as possible. So you mentioned connections with people on your team. Uh, motivation is a key player to keep engagement. What are some strategies that work to maintain motivation? How did you highlight accomplishments and reward individuals on a team if people were working remotely? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. You know, I don't think people always need like a monetary acknowledgement of their work or accomplishments. You know, I do think a thank you, whether it be verbal or written or maybe verbal followed up with a written thank you does go a long way because oftentimes, you know, I would hear people saying like, oh, I just wish so-and-so would just say thank you. And, you know, I always just kind of kept that in the back of my mind through the years. Um, And so, so I just tried to thank people, one, for, you know, their work, but also for hanging in there hanging in there in a, in such a crazy time when things were changing sometimes daily or multiple times a day. I also, uh, at one point during this last year, I had sent each staff member, it was a single cookie that was individually wrapped and it came in this little cardboard box that you could ship to everyone's house. So I chose the, the outside of the box and it said, you rock on it. And so it was just something little to say thank you, because like I said, we had always liked to celebrate birthdays and and things like that, but we couldn't, we couldn't really do that anymore. So I thought by sending just this little cookie gram, if you will, would show them how much I appreciated them as a team and how much I admired them for hanging in there with all the changes that we experienced. Something else that was done was to highlight key wins in daily huddles and team meetings and team 
team notes. So if, if someone put in, you know, like a shout out to someone on our internal, our internal website, uh, I would get notified of that. And so I would highlight that. And then also it kind of trickled down to each team member, you know, giving acknowledgement and accolades to each other on our team. So one day, one of the pharmacists was like, I just really want to thank all the technicians today because it was a really busy day and we had a lot going on with patient care and you guys really stepped up and made sure our, our operations were running smoothly, you know, or if someone else jumped in and, and helped with the patient queue as far as verifying orders because sometimes our orders tend to come in all at one time. And so, you know, just giving a thank you and a shout out during our huddles um, for that work too. And then we did receive this really nice thank you card from one of the study teams who was uh, working on the COVID studies with us. And so that was really great. And I shared that on one of the team huddles with the people who were working remotely, just so that everyone knew that not just within our group, but outside of our group with our study teams, they were recognizing all the work that we were putting into. So I really think all of those different ways helped keep people motivated and wanting to come to work in such a crazy, difficult time. So on any given day, it sounds like you might have had about half of the staff working remotely. Can you tell us a little bit about how you set expectations for the staff? Yeah, so early on, we made it a point as a leadership team within our department to have everyone understand that working remotely was was more of a privilege than something that was expected to do going forward. And that if we felt that if patient care was kind of declining as far as what our customer service and patient care standards were, then we may need to do some modifications and adjust things um, accordingly because uh, for us, the patients always came first and providing their, their care was the most important for us. And so we established that in the beginning and everyone verbalized and understood that that could be the case. And so also, you know, obviously if I heard there were a lot of patient delays, you know, that's outside of unexpected things happening, like our EHR going down or something like that. Obviously, we have no control over that. But so if there were patient medication delays, obviously, there's some kind of breakdown in a process. And so you just kind of go day by day and see what you need to optimize. And um, I think I had all, already had established expectations prior to the pandemic as well. And so just having those discussions with the team and being open and honest and transparent with them, I think just helps set expectations as well. Another, another task that you could do is create a task list to detail what accomplishments each person had for that day. You know, also on that list, you could put what you're working on and what you needed help with completing. And then you can use your communication tools. So like our Microsoft Teams chat or our Microsoft IDS 
team chat that we had. Um, you can post things in there so that everyone kind of knows what's going on. Another, another way to set expectations and kind of keep people on task is there are some electronic post-it notes that you can use as well that I know some groups have worked with and found success using. And then also, you know, just checking in with them each month or every other month, or just even not in a schedule check-in, just saying, Hey, how's it going? What's going on? You know, what do you need help with? Kind of helps set expectations that they can come to you if, if they need trouble or, you know, during our huddle, just feel free to verbalize what you need help with because we just wanted to be able to take care of patients as best as possible. And so when everyone has that as their goal, then I think it's pretty easy to set expectations because everyone's kind of on the same page as far as what our overall goal is as a group. So as a last item, sometimes leaders make decisions that are not always popular with some staff members. How do you go about getting buy-in from staff when the decisions are made that will change their working location, such as coming back on site versus staying remote? Yeah, that's a really great question and one that um, perhaps now some some groups are are dealing with as people are getting vaccinated. You know, we have PPE now, uh, things like that. And so I think um, number one to me is transparency with overall department decisions and overall decisions that you are making, kind of explaining the thought process behind um, the decision and why you made that decision. So for example, in the fall, we were, when study teams had really started picking up recruitment and obviously recruitment for COVID studies was continuing at a gangbuster rate, we had decided that and gotten permission that if you needed to adjust on-site staffing versus remote, that you could do that if it was for patient care. And so we realized that, and I noticed because our Tuesday schedule was just so busy with the number of patients we had. And that would also be a day where we would get a lot of shipments because it was midweek. And so for a few Tuesdays, I just looked and observed the expressions on people's faces when I was on site. And I could just see how tired and drained out they were, they looked um, and would just ask them, you know, how do you, how do you, how are you feeling? And overwhelmingly, the answer was like, oh, today was so crazy. I'm just so tired and I'm just mentally tired and physically tired right now. And, you know, so I would ask the people working on site on Tuesdays, what do you think if we brought on an additional pharmacist and an additional tech on site on Tuesdays, for example, like how, how do you think that would help. And people working on site on those days were just like, oh my God, it's like they almost wanted to cry just by you saying, you know, how how can we bring on more people to help? And so, so just listening to the team, but also watching them, their nonverbal cues as well was, was really important. And then just Also, that standardization with maybe other groups within your department as well, you know, so that you can say, well, I'm not 
only, I'm not doing this just to be mean, but other groups are, you know, bringing people on site a little bit more as well for patient care and to help relieve the stresses of being on site without being detrimental to people's health and, you know, wanting to be respectful of people's health. And so I think just having that transparency overall just really helped with people. Maybe they didn't necessarily want that to be the final decision, but I think having them accept that it was the final decision with that transparency was ultimately what was helpful. Well, that's all the time we have today. Elise, I want to thank you for joining us for today's episode and to discuss managing and leading from afar with us. For more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises and teams, and practice management, please check out the ASHP website. Thank you so much for joining us, and be sure to subscribe at ASHP Official. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.